Amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, Arthur would love to pass one out. He's back there. Can you grab some Bibles? Hands raised. I am excited because we're done the book of Acts. (laughs) Okay. Well, that was exciting. (laughs) So we're going to start a new series, and this one could go on for the next 10 years. We can make it 20 if we want, but I don't think I will. When I just get tired, we'll stop. So last week, in thinking of where to go, what direction to go, usually I choose a book of the Bible, and then we go through it. And over the last 12 years at Northgate, I can tell you through midweek and mornings and Sunday morning and youth group, I have taught the whole Bible. I don't remember what I said, but I can tell you I've taught through the whole Bible. And that's exciting. And just like, where to go now? Where to go? God, what do you want? And uh, Arthur was here last weekend from Ottawa. He was here all summer. And he came for a weekend to visit uh, GR and, and Betty. And uh, I spent some time with him. And he showed me a video. And it really struck me. It was about a missionary in the Middle East. And he had a great opportunity. There was an a man there who asked him to speak in his mosque. There was only one condition, though. And he gave him, actually, direction And here's what he said. You said, you you may not talk about Christianity. I don't want you to talk about Christianity or religion. But he said to him, you can talk about Jesus and the words of Jesus all you want. So the missionary was thinking, well, that's a little bit of a contradiction, but not to a lot of the world. They want to know about Jesus, but Christianity has a stigma attached to it, right? Because you're going to try and convert me or this or that. So, so this missionary went, he said, and he talked about Jesus for an hour and a half, I believe. I might be, it was an hour, an hour and a half. And he spoke and he stopped. And the man looked at him and said, keep going. Keep talking. And he said to himself, I don't know what else to say. And at that point, it struck him severely that he knew a lot about religion and Christianity, but he didn't know a lot about this Jesus he was following. Obviously, he knew Jesus came, died again in some of his teachings. And what happened then began a journey in the next five years of his life, he said, that he continually read through the Gospels over and over and over and over again. Now, he read other parts of the Bible, but he focused on the words of Jesus. And in his words in the video, Jesus became more personal to him than ever before. And I was thinking about that because I've taught through the Gospels before, but how can we grow? And I don't believe there is any better way than simply studying the words of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to take a month, maybe two months, maybe six months. We could, like I said, we could go on for the next 10 years. And and I think there's plenty of information there. And it will vault us all over the Bible because the Bible is all about God and his son, Jesus. Amen. The Old Testament just points to Jesus. Jesus comes, changes the world forever. So... Where to begin? 
just wanted to show you why we should study Jesus. So in Hebrews chapter 1, if you'll turn there. It's a wonderful little passage at the beginning which will confirm our little study. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. It says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Note this in verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become so much better than angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. God has spoken in many ways. He continually speaks. But the wonderful thing is, in these days he has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, listen to this, is the exact representation of God. So when we study the life and the words of Jesus, The character, the personality, and the person of God is revealed to us. And so as we look at his words and what he says, we are going to get to know, according to Scripture, the express image of God himself. And we know Jesus is God. But as we look at Jesus, we see God. And I am so excited because I really believe this will change my heart. Forget about you guys. (laughs) My heart forever. I will say this in thinking about this. Jesus said some really nice things. But Jesus said some really hard things. So when you come in, we might be addressing some things that are really hard and you might not like to hear them. But I'm just going to be quoting the red print. So if you've got a problem, praise the Lord. You can work it out. But Jesus says a lot of wonderful things, but he says a lot of challenging things. And I think we need to take them all in and not just take the red letters we like, but the red letters that will draw us closer to him and challenge us to be more like him. Are you ready to go on this journey? Are you ready to be challenged, whether it's money, whether it's marriage, whether it's sin, whether it's hell, whether it's heaven? No matter what it is, he really talks about a lot of things. But we better start at the very beginning. So if you'll turn to John chapter 1. And I was thinking this week, what should I start with? 
I could have started anywhere. Uh, by the way, I'm not going in any order. Today I might a little bit, but if you're like, well, what about that? That was before that. Too bad. I'm just doing my best. All right. And then maybe next week we'll ask you to do the one I missed. So just trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. John 1, you know, John is a little different than the other Gospels, right? John doesn't necessarily flow in order. John doesn't necessarily give us all the details. It's a little more mystical. John doesn't start at the birth of Jesus. He starts in John chapter 1 declaring who Jesus is. We know that he is the word. He is the light. And different things are given. But the story really begins in verse 29 when John the Baptist is there. And he sees Jesus and Jesus comes and is baptized and John doesn't really want to baptize him but when he sees him he does and he sees the spirit descending and remaining on him in verse 33 and he's amazed and he says to his disciples in verse 29 the lamb of god basically he's saying this is the messiah this is the one And you move on, and John's disciples are very curious as the chapter continues. And John is standing with them in verse 35 the next day. In verse 36, they look at Jesus as he walked and said, John says again, behold the Lamb of God. He repeats that phrase. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And I want you to keep that word in mind. They followed him. Who is this Jesus? Now remember, they're following John. And some thought John was the Messiah. And John said, no, I'm not. And then he sees Jesus. This is the Lamb of God. So his disciples, taking this all in, want to follow him, hear him, what he has to say. And Jesus turned in verse 38. And seeing them following, he said to them, what do you seek? Basically, what is it that you want from me? Why are you following me? I love that. The first read in the Gospel of John. What do you seek? What do you want? Think about it this morning. What do you want from Jesus? Why are you here? What do you want from Jesus? If you're following Him, why are you following Him? Have you considered that? What is it about Jesus? What do you see him as? Your king, your lord. Why are you following him? And Jesus is one always to ask questions. And they just want to know who he is. What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi. Which is to say, translated teacher. I don't know where they came. Well, where are you staying? (laughs) You think, okay, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God. Hey, guys, what do you want? Uh, We were wondering, uh, where are you hanging out? (laughs) You know? Where's your house? What are you doing? Where are you staying? Basically, they want to know more about him, and they give a little bit of an awkward answer. But here's the answer Jesus always gives to us and gives to them. Come and see. Don't you love Jesus? You can ask him anything. God, why is it like this? Jesus, why is, it, why is it panning out this way? Why did you say that? Why are you like that? And he responds, come and see. And he takes them to wherever he was staying. 
And he spends time with them. And he's with them. And he speaks to them. They remained with him that day. It says in verse 39. And I love this. Because Jesus' heart is always to be with you. Did you hear me? And what he's saying even to you today, you have questions. He's saying, come and see. Come to me. Be with me. See who I am. Talk with me. Know my word, what I said. Come and see. And this isn't just new in this point of Scripture. We know Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. And I think that's what God's saying to us. You want to know who I am? Come taste and see. Isaiah 55, come and buy. If you're thirsty, come and drink whatever you... Come to me. Are you heavy laden? Come to me. Come and see me. Come and be with me. And I will be with you. By the way, in our busy days, in our busy culture, in our busy life, Jesus never, in the Word of God, is too busy to spend time with people. You ever read the Gospels and seen? He's like, oh, can you um, guys just hold on till tomorrow? And then possibly I'll make time for you in my schedule? We do that all the time. I do that all the time. Well, can I call you back tomorrow or the next day? I'm really busy. And sometimes we have to do that. We're very busy, right? But I want you to know that Jesus is always available for you. It is never that he is too busy. It's that you're too busy to be with him. It's never that he's distracted from being with you. It's you're distracted from being with him. He would desire to be with you. And if you have your questions and your thoughts and you're wondering, Jesus, what are you doing? He says, come and see. He says, come and be with me. He says, come and spend time with me. And of course, these disciples follow him. Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, was one of them. In verse 41, he finds his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we've found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus now. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Andrew is amazing. He's always bringing people to Jesus. I just spent time with them. you got to come with me. Do you know that's all we're supposed to do, by the way? You're not supposed to solve people's problems. Are you one of those people who thinks you can solve people's problems? I am. So sometimes people text me, what do I do about this? And I'm like, oh, maybe I could, you know, if I could introduce them to so-and-so, and if I can get them here and do that. I'm not called to fix your problem. Amen? I'm saying amen. Because <laughs> I can't. But what I am called to do is say, go be with Jesus. That's what Andrew does. Peter, here's Jesus. Hey, you got to be with him. You know, people will ask you, what's your church about? Like, what do you believe? What do you say? Are you going to try and explain it? Well, that would be good. But why don't you say, why don't you go and be with him and ask him? 
what are your, what are your, what's your church like? Why don't you come and see? I don't want to explain it. And hopefully we'll just direct them to Jesus. And I don't even care where they go to church, wherever they can be introduced to Christ. Just go and see with him. Be with him. And I love Andrew's example. But here is Jesus, and now he's got a couple followers. And the call of the disciples we see, first of all, here. And the following day, in verse 43, Jesus wanted to Galilee, and he found Philip. And here's the words I kind of want to zero in on today, just for the next 15 minutes. And he said to him, follow me. That's it. If you're going to take two words out of here today, it's Jesus' words to you. And you know what he's saying? Follow me. That's it. Come be with me. Follow me. Follow me. What is a disciple? Someone who follows Jesus, right? That's it. And that's what he's saying. Follow me. And I think that's God's call for all of us just in these two red letters. Follow me. Jesus is saying to you today, follow me. Simple enough. Let's get out of here. Go follow him, right? There's a lot more involved. And some of it's going to be really good. And I want to be honest with you today. Some of it's going to be really hard. Because when Jesus uses those words, follow me, he says, says them throughout scripture. And sometimes he says them and we're looking at each other thinking, what in the world does he mean by that? First, the goodness, because he gets Philip and he goes down and he finds uh, Nathaniel. And Philip goes to find Nathaniel and Nathaniel's introduced to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, before Philip called you in verse 48, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. When you follow Jesus, you truly will see incredible things. Amen? Your life will be changed forever because the supernatural is going to be opened up to you through Jesus Christ. When Jesus is the priority in your life and you lay things down to follow him, as he said to Nathaniel, you're amazed that I saw you under the fig tree because Jesus sees wherever you are. He says to him, you're going to see mighty works greater than this in your life. That happened to me. And of course, Nathaniel's going to see those. But I believe today, if you're going to follow Jesus, you will see mighty things. And that's the good news. That if you are actually following Jesus, you should see mighty things. You should see sin being dealt with in your life. You should see your life changing. You should see love increasing. You should see joy increase. You should see more patience. As you believe in Him, the Holy Spirit enters you, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You should be much different, more mighty in the things of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
That's mighty. I've talked to people. I couldn't beat that. I couldn't do that. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the patience. I'm a better husband. I'm a better wife. I'm a better parent. It's hard, but God's giving me something I never had before. Woo! That's the good news about following Jesus, right? He does mighty things in our lives because he's a supernatural God. Follow me, he says, and we're going on an adventure. Now, you think an adventure, going to the Philippines, swimming in caves. That's my son Caleb, by the way. This has been a real tough DTS so far. But Verm said they play hard, then work hard. But when he sent us the pictures of the beach, I wanted that DTS. I was about to enroll myself, right? If following Jesus is going to the beach in the Philippines? No, it's not always like that. But there will be an adventure. An adventure of following him, which can lead you in your own community to doing things you never thought you would do to helping people you never thought you would help, to loving people that are unlovable, to speaking to people you were afraid of. If you follow Jesus, you might even end up out of your comfort zone. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, I don't like that. But if you follow Jesus, you're going on an adventure because he knows you and has plans for you. And it could be simple things. It doesn't have to be these big things that I said. Following Jesus. Luke chapter 5 is another great story how Peter and John and James and Andrew are there as well. And he uses that phrase at the very end, follow me. They're out fishing. They catch nothing, which is normal. Jesus says, launch out your nets to the other side. Maybe this is something that he talked to Nathaniel about, a mighty work. They never saw that. Peter runs to shore. He falls on his knees He's totally in awe. He says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Then Jesus speaks to him. He says, do not be afraid. In verse 10, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now we're going to get to a little bit of the difficult part. Okay, Jesus says, you're going fishing for men. Don't we love that? We want to see a harvest of souls, amen? Don't there people at work you'd like to see get saved and family members you'd like to see saved? Jesus says, you just follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Woohoo! I just have to go and people will get saved. This is great, right? This is the way it goes. God, I just follow you. Just give me all these blessings. I get a new car, bigger house, I'm always healthy, and then everyone gets saved around me. Is that following Jesus? He says, follow me. There was one thing. They were fishermen. They forsook all and then followed him. I love the living Bible here or What it says, maybe in your cross-reference, it simply says this, they left behind these things and followed Jesus. They left their comfort, 
their career behind and followed Jesus. Does that mean we're not supposed to work? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But I want you to get the priority of the statement. And it's this. You follow Jesus first and you leave behind anything else that will take him from his rightful place as being number one in your life. You have to forsake all. Leave it behind and truly follow him. I want the fishers of men part. I want the mighty miracles part. I want the victory over sin part. But you might say, I don't want to forsake anything. Do you know what? That's modern day Christianity in North America. I want the healing. I want the blessing. I want the hippity hoppity church. I want it full. But don't ask me to sacrifice anything, God. That's not following Jesus. Did you hear me? That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is putting behind good things to pursue the best thing. And that is simply being with him because following him is doing what he's saying and just hanging out with him as Andrew did and Peter did, just being with him. He says, follow me. He's saying, come, see what I do. Come, see how I do it. Come, this is what I teach. Come, this is who I am. This is how I love. And what did they see? They saw a God in Jesus who sacrificed everything for those he loved. He suffered. He suffered to the point of death. And then he says, come be like me. <laughs> you mean you sacrifice to the point of death? I ain't following you anywhere. I like the good parts. But don't give me the hard parts. So interesting because this kind of hard word continues in Luke 14 if you want to turn there. And this is absolutely incredible as well. Follow me. Follow me. What does it truly look like to follow him? Verse 25 of chapter 14. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Hold the phone. Now, First of all, we see that word hate, and we're like turned off by this passage, right? What, you want me to hate my parents? <laughs> want to hate my wife? No, 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 because we know Jesus never said that. But think back to what he said in forsaking all. Anyone who wants to follow me or be my follower must love me far more than blank, blank, blank. Let's think about this. If you want to be Christ's follower, he's saying, you have to love me far more than your home, than your parents, than your wife, than your children. And here's the kicker. 
those things might be easy for you. But even your own life. Well, I don't love my life. Are you sure? Because we do what we want to do, and we talk how we want to talk, and we say what we want to say. You mean Jesus doesn't want me to say that? He doesn't want me to go where I want to go? Look at these words again. You want to be his disciple? You truly want to follow him? He has to be the priority. He has to be the one that your life is focused on. And you know what? If you're having a problem with that statement, you're not the only one. Many, many of his disciples left him. He goes on in this passage to say, you have to count the cost. If you're going to war, he says, and you've got 10,000, and the other people have 20,000, are you going to go battle with them? Count the cost. Count the cost. Do we truly count the cost? I think... Just to be honest, the way we tell people about Christianity, just to be honest, is all your problems will be solved. Do you know there's this thought out there that if you come to him, that your life will be extremely blessed all the time. If you come to Jesus, that's it. That's it. But I'm here to tell you that's not it. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is saying to you that he will be the priority and there will be mighty things that he will do in your life and he will give you power and he will do amazing things but you need to count the cost of what it truly means to follow him. And you might say, well, why do I want that? Why do I want that? Why do I want to follow Jesus? Maybe the disciples were thinking the same thing. And I think one time they told him, Well, Lord, we've given up everything for you. Remember that story? It was the rich man in the needle. The eye of the camel going through there. And the rich man have trouble entering the kingdom of heaven because they're worried about their riches. And the disciples Say, after Jesus said, it's, well, it's harder for a rich person. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. But they say, we gave up everything for you. And look how our lives are now. You know what Jesus responded to them? You will get it all back. Come on, follow me. You're going to get it all back. In this life and the next. But, here's the other part, with persecution, with challenges. Jesus, when he asks you to follow him in those words, is simply desiring to be the priority in your life above anything and everything else. And he gives it all back in his way. Amen. 
He gives it all back, but he has to know he is the priority in your life above what you think or what you want because then it's you and not him who's driving the ship. Do you want to follow me? And he exampled this in his life. And as we look at Jesus, we see this in an amazing way. Did he want to go to the cross? Did he want to suffer as we look forward to next weekend? Did he want the pain of being separated from the love of God? No, he prayed and said, if there's any other way, I don't want to do it. But how did he end? Your will be done. Not my will. Your will be done. And aren't you glad this morning that Jesus submitted to the Father in his way and that obedience to the Father and following God for Jesus was the priority because the blessing that flowed out of that was absolutely incredible. What about our lives if we'll simply follow him, put him in the priority, leave things behind? Here's what I'm going to tell you. You're going to be a better child to your parents. You're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better wife. But you're going to have to die to yourself in incredible ways and not put these things as the priority. And as you put him as the priority, all of these things become better. But it's going to hurt like the dickens. You know that? And sometimes we, we even teach in church, oh yeah, it's going to be so good. You just follow Jesus. He's going to be with you all the time. And then when it hurts, we're like, oh God, you didn't say it was going to be like this. God, I don't understand why you're asking me to do this. I don't understand in my human capacity why you want me to believe that book which says things that don't jive in my culture and my own thinking. But Jesus says, my way is the best way. You follow me. You be with me. You set me as the priority. And all those other things will be added unto you in ways that are healthy and right and pure and true. It's little examples. Oh, follow me, young people. I, I can't have sex before marriage. Like, oh, God, what are you thinking? Everyone's doing it. Why would you want to do it? Why do you want me to be excluded from that pleasure? And God says, I got a better way. I, well, that's not the better way because I have to sacrifice to myself in what I want. That's just a little kind of example. And Jesus says, my way is always the better way. And then we see, oh, man, yeah. I had to die to myself in what I wanted, but his way was way better than my way. What is your situation in life where you've elevated something, your desire? And you're wondering, where are the blessings? Where are you, God? And he says, well, unless a grain grain of wheat goes in the ground and dies, it can't produce fruit because that's God's way and that's following me. And that's choosing me above all these other things. And I'm not saying you to hate anything. I'm saying put it in order, Christ first. And everything else underneath. And it will all follow. I have a great sermon on following God. And I think it's a wonderful one actually. It's about being with him and seeing his compassion and grace. Which are so crucial in the midst of making your mistakes. But God led me this morning to challenge you to tell you. Following Jesus is not easy. Because you will have to go to your own funeral. And we don't like funerals. And this is what I want for my family, God. I want all my kids to live in Lanark County. 
And I'm going to buy nine houses. All on Highway 43. And then I'll hire them all. And then I'll just watch them run the church. And he laughs at me. Okay, you can take a couple. They can work at 3M. And you know what God taught me? My way is dying and releasing and giving. And what is the blessing? It's way beyond anything we can generate in putting our needs and our thoughts and our families as the priority. Because God says, I want to do something beyond anything you can imagine. But you got to follow me and you got to die to yourself. And you got to give these things up. Want to see revival? But we don't want to be uncomfortable. We want to see revival. But we don't want to challenge ourselves to the point that we will die to ourselves, that others can come to know Jesus Christ. I want to speak about the blessings, but the word of God is sure that we need to follow Christ, especially when it's difficult. He's calling you and me when we're tired, when we're at the end of ourselves, so he can strengthen us and he can fill us. Elijah, he needed someone to follow him. Remember that story? He just tapped the story of Elisha. Come on, what was Elisha doing? He had all his cows in his cart. No, 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 let me, no, you, you coming or you're not coming, buddy? What did he do? He made sacrifice to the Lord. He burned the cart because then there was no way back. <laughs> I'm following you. I'm following you. And I'm not saying to quit your jobs. Don't go out of here and all quit and we'll all go on staff. There ain't no money. What I'm telling you is at work, follow him. What I'm telling you is with your neighbors, with your family. He is the priority. And I think the Holy Spirit can zero in on you this morning and say, this in following me has got to go. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable. That's okay. Because out of that death will come life. That is following Jesus Christ. And I've got news for you. He never leaves you alone in the process. You might end up in the fire. That's okay. You can burn us. Because whether I get saved or not, Jesus is with us. Who's that in the fire with you in your trial? It kind of looks like the Son of Man, the Son of the Gods. Well, it is, praise the Lord. And when you follow him, he is with you. He will never leave you because he said, come and be with me. But the being with him is so wonderful, but he's going to take you down paths that are very difficult. And he says, let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's see this county change together, following him and not us. Blessing people at our expense, loving people at our expense. Amen. This is a radical 
truth that we fail to see. In our prosperity thinking, yes, God will bless you, but yes, it will be hard. And we get to encourage each other in this. Aren't you happy? Because next week you can be my cheerleader when I come in here moping and follow me. You want to follow me? Follow me. That's what God's saying to each one of you this morning. Follow me. Don't do it for your family. Don't do it for your parents. Don't do it for your kids. Follow me. Follow me. And most importantly, yes, even your own life. Let it go. Your desires in this world and simply follow him. Thank you, Jesus, for your word this morning. Truly was the words in red. Follow me. Come and see me. Come and be with me. See my love, my grace, my compassion. But follow me as I ask to be the priority in your life. That's what he's saying to us this morning. We need to respond to these words in our own heart. The Holy Spirit is challenging us. Sometimes we lose sight of the finish line in the middle of the race. But I think God is reminding us this morning, put your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who walked a path extremely difficult, who gave of himself that we might live. And this morning, he's asking us to do the same. Follow me into difficulty. But that difficulty will lead to blessing. That difficulty would le will lead to fruit. But he's saying, follow me. Be with me in the good things and the difficult things. Hear me. Let go. Set him as the priority this morning. Confess your failure. Simply rest in his love. <clears throat> He's not mad at us. He's not disappointed. He's just saying, come. Come with me. To no matter what it looks like, come with me. And I will be with you. Look at the finish line. Look at eternity. Look at Jesus this morning. We can do that by taking communion. Seeing his body broken. His blood spilled. And our amazing forgiveness and his amazing love. And as we confess and repent, truly we accept that we are free and clean and we can walk with him. We just worship you. We praise you this morning, God.
that you would allow us and call us into this relationship. We're going to take communion and remember Jesus. Give him our failure and receive his forgiveness. The elements are in the back. Just quietly and respectfully, you may get those. If you want to respond, maybe there'll be people in the back and there's something you need to confess or repent of. We'd love to pray with you. But let's celebrate Jesus and his forgiveness this morning.